You might be just like me If you like drinking, smoking weed If you like dancing, wild and free If you like loving, love with me If you like dancing, loving, drinking, and smoking weed Life can be tired sometimes Looking for a little peace of mind We all need to unwind It's time to take some time Let's let the party shine Lord knows it's not a crime If you like drinking, smoking weed If you like dancing, wild and free If you like loving, love with me If you like dancing, loving, drinking and smoking weed We know if you do too much, you get too far out of touch That's why we do just enough drinking Smoking weed, dancing, wild and free. If you like loving, love with me. If you like dancing, loving, drinking and smoking weed. You might be just like me. Seen her across the way, the kind that makes you want to stay. She said, Be with me, possibly. If you like drinking, smoking weed, if you like dancing, wild and free, if you like loving, love with me. If you like dancing, loving, drinking, and smoking weed If you like drinking, smoking weed If you like dancing, wild and free If you like loving, love with me If you like dancing, loving, drinking, and smoking weed <laughs> Well, you might be just like me, you might be just like me, just like me. Hey. Hey, David, how you doing, man? <laughs> Where do you work? Uh, what do you do? What do you do, David? <laughs> what brings you here? <laughs> um... <laughs> what brings me here? Well, five million years ago, we started the Grassroots Festival in New York State. <laughs> it feels like that. And then, um, well, 1991 was the first one, I think. Yeah. And then uh, that really went well. And we were like, we should go do it in other places. And so we 
had a good following in North Carolina due to predominantly probably, well, we always had a keyboard player from North Carolina, what we <laughs> did for a while. And then uh, that wasn't really it. It was the boogie. Yeah. We played the boogie. And I don't know how we got in the boogie. But so, so then after that, people would come see us at shows and whatnot. So we developed a little following here. And, you know, if you're a band that doesn't have radio hit or, uh, you know, it's patchwork, you know, you're lucky to be able to go anywhere and get a crowd and make enough money to get back, you know. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's sort of, so North Carolina was a hot spot. And also we had a very a fondness for North Carolina because uh, go to Old Town Fiddle Festivals, you know, Don the Buffalo Loosely speaking, is kind of grew out of old time music lovers. You know, I mean, I grew up playing the fiddle. That's how I met Tara. She's an incredible fiddler, and so we used to all play together. And and then uh, Bubba George Stringbound, my brother Jordan, uh, Richie Stearns, and Shane Lanfear, and and so th- that was the original Don the Buffalo with uh, Richie's wife, Jenny, who was an incredible songwriter, is an incredible songwriter. So um, so we we would have these parties, and, and it'd be like uh, Thanksgiving time or whatever, and Richie had bought this organ at a yard sale for 50 bucks, and it's this Lowry, and had this weird uh, kind of ethereal tone and the wah-wah pedal built into it. Sweet. And so we... <laughs> kind of started jamming this electric music well and jim miller too of course because mm-hmm. um and so we started jamming this electric music and tara was a songwriter she wrote songs like you might hear on the radio and then and then uh so i started writing songs so we just had a bunch of songwriters and uh richie wrote songs and and his wife jenny and then, so we just jammed these tunes. It was kind of fun learning the new, you know, it's a whole different way of playing music, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, electric guitar, tuning stuff, fiddle or whatnot. And then, um, so Richie's wife uh, booked this uh, vegetarian restaurant in Ithaca, you know, called the Cabbage Towns Cafe. And, and she, she was like, well, we should do a gig there. So then, as soon as we had a gig, we were going, oh, my God, you know. So we actually rehearsed for, for a couple of weeks, you know, and we got a nice night's worth of material together. And so we played that gig, and a bunch of people came. They danced from the first note to the last note. Was you know, it, was it, it just, called Don of the Buffalo that know, night? You know, yeah. It just had a vibe, and, and uh, from playing a lot of old-time music, Old time music is in- incredibly awesome. Like it's very rapid, you know, super syncopated. It's just going, going, going. And if somebody like accelerates their listening space to like get that accelerate with it, mm-hmm. and it's loud, you know, they'll you can get off on old time music like nothing. You know, I mean, it's it's freaking awesome. You know, <laughs> but it's just not the easiest performing music. You know, and and we used to play on the street all the time and for quarters and and like go. We used to have like a weekend thing where we go and play on the street and then 
buy a pizza and beer and go swimming, you know, when we're kids. And <laughs> and uh, we were broke all the time. Those by around the, by the way, those around us. Yeah. yeah, we could. I mean, I could talk forever about all this stuff. But anyway, so that's and I forgot where we even started. Oh, how we got here. But <laughs> and then, uh, but so it was. It was really cool to play the music that people were more readily understood. It was more typical sound as far as like sort of a rock band stuff, and and the emotional ranges of the of the tunes are a little broader than the old time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I just remember it's like, holy smokes, what it, that was really remarkable. I, just, I could barely sleep that night. So just so excited, you know, it's like, wow, we could do this, you know? And, and so the band started traveling and we've certainly wasn't instant success, but it was more like a lifestyle or a family to us mm-hmm. you know it's like we wanted to do this we were we just did it mm-hmm. you know what i mean so that's so more like a way of life than like a career did never, you never really thought about it as a career very much right it's just the it's just what you do and every time i do it bumps me out <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully I can maintain my. I've been I've been accused by someone saying you live in a la la world, you know, la la land, you know. So I said yes, yes. What's it, your point? You know? It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm almost through it, you know. And nothing, you know, lots of bad things have happened, of course, you know, just like they always do. But it's not from that, I tell you. What well, did you um? I mean, from an early age, did you know it was going to be music? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I could, I could put on a record when I was two, and would stand in front of the speakers and play records all day. And so my brother Jordan, he was at, at the time there was a big old time scene up in in uh, in our area. There was okay. a band called the Highwood String Band and the Correct Known String Band, and and. Uh, so strangely enough, you know, upstate New York, it's it's in the Appalachian Ridge, you know. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, but those those bands settled there, and and so we used to go see these concerts all the time. And and uh, my father's a huge fan of old time music, and so when we were kids growing up, at at one point, you know, as Richie started playing banjo. And he never had a case. I mean, he just hitched it down. It was always just on his back. He just did it nonstop, you know. And then, uh, so he was the first one to, and this was sort of our, in our family, you know, transferring from motorcycle, motocross uh, racing to, you know. Music. Uh, music. <laughs> had an extremely underfunded motocross team. I think they were trying to rubber band a set of points together, you know, to keep it. I mean, we're talking no money at all. So it was a miracle you could even get the bike going. But Jordan was pretty pretty quick on the thing. But Riding on the tracks around upstate? Yeah. Then uh, we transferred over to music. And so uh, Jordan's... He goes, oh, Jeb should learn how to play fiddle. He's got nothing better to do, you know. And I, I think I was six and a half or seven. But it, I was like, yeah, I, 
I could probably do that. I was thinking to myself. And so I started playing fiddle. And I thought this, the singing up in Trumansburg was really happening, you know. I mean, it was it was not like a folk thing. It was like a bunch of hippies back to the land. You know, they were really forging a new path, you know. Mm-hmm. And old-time music was a part of it. And they would pack this pretty small club, but they would just jump up and down with the music. And it's unaffectionately uh term the hippie hop by some there are more <laughs> but i'll contend that the hippie hop is a very good dance to the old time music because and that floor bounced it if if you went in the basement it was moving like eight inches up and down <laughs> so it was pretty pretty wild and it was just a very very sweaty happening scene mm-hmm. and i remember it well from being a kid and we used to go and fall asleep in a pile of coats and and this was a very energetic scene so i thought this was going on everywhere, you know. And <laughs> I figured, well, if I learn how to play the fiddle, I'll have it made, you know. Right. It'd be like, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> but little did I realize this was really only going on right there. <laughs> right you know? there. So it was, was kind of interesting. So there's another thing when, you know, down the Buffalo got started, it was like, wow, we could almost go anywhere and mm-hmm. play gigs and and be understood as human beings you know so that's kind of what got that going and then uh you know y'all just had the western centuries in here and, yeah and uh jim miller was in our band him and terry were married and uh and uh so me and him we had to like we learned how to play guitar together and you know did yeah. a lot of, of double guitar playing and intertwining um so definitely learned a lot from him and and uh yeah he was telling us he went to cornell and yeah he was working on his undergrad yeah y'all met yeah they uh were you were you in school at that time no i i didn't go to much school, <laughs> school <laughs> many schools schools of life much much <laughs> i have not received very much schooling but um but your dad was both my parents were PhDs. Right, and, and he, he was well-read, and his library's I, out I don't, of the house. I don't think anybody's read more books. And he'd be sort of depressed, you know, and I'd go look at the stack of books he was reading, you know, it's like the rise and fall of the Third Reich, and this is in the, you know I mean, just God. like all the, the, these, uh, you know. Downer books. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, yeah, but he's he's read them all. Yeah. And. So then it was kind of like that, you know, he was not enamored with what society was up to at all. Mm-hmm. And and so kind of stopped working. And my mom also was PhD. She went to Oxford in the 50s. Which she was un- the un- first female doctor is at Oxford? I'd, is that right? You know, I don't. I think I would know that. I would hope okay. that I would know that if that was true, but okay. but it was not very many women went to right. Oxford in the fifties. And um and she was just a freaking rock, you know. But she also <laughs> didn't like teaching. Like it would have been much a much easier life to go 
be a college professor, right. and, you know, <laughs> uh, have a nice house and pay some bills or whatever. But she just worked odd jobs, you know, worked at the local weekly paper, you know, sort of like, you know, every town back in the right. days. Has a daily days of, paper. A paper, you know, had yeah. sort of like the leftist weekly or the art rag or whatever, oh, you know, yeah, the kind of yeah. kind of thing. So she worked at that. And the leftist weekly. <laughs> the leftist <laughs> weekly. But um. So she um. But like her family's all from Nashville, right? Yeah, yeah. both my parents oh, are from Nashville. Okay, and grandparents and all. Right. Yeah, and they just traveled around different jobs having kids everywhere they and, they 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 moved from nashville after vanderbilt to to trumansburg because they got well they, they, get, they moved to texas for a while okay. and they was in louisiana for a while like jordan was born in lafayette and some of my brothers were born in denton texas really and then some in nashville and i was born in ithaca <laughs> and so all over that's the place the, yeah was but we that... were reprimanded for talking like Yankees when we were kids. Were you? By my relatives in Nashville. And they weren't kidding either. You you didn't, they would like pronounce the word and say, no, you can't say it like that. So I had this sort of confused <laughs> accent, you know, don't know whether I should say anything or not, you know. Let it go Thinking That you're the one The trying's over The crying Has begun Watch it flow Watch it roll From the pain Watch it mix with the future Spiral down the drain And I will go As destiny's wild waters run The trying's over And the crying has begun Make no mistake about it It hurts Make no mistake, the part of me that needs to leave has to win. Make no mistake, it's over. And it would be a mistake for a part of me to agree to take you back again. So I'm letting go. Thinking that you're the one The trying's over And the crying has begun Pretty good though. 
make no mistake about it, it hurts. Make no mistake, the part of me that needs to leave has to win. Make no mistake, is over. And it would be a mistake for a part of me to agree to take you back again. So I'm letting go of thinking that you're the one. The trying's over and the crying has begun. And I'll go as destiny's wild waters run. The trying's over and the crying has begun. You know, I went um I went to school at Middle Tennessee State mm-hmm. uh, for music business and and uh and when I moved out there well, we're sitting in Pittsburgh right now and right down the street from us there are protests over the Confederate War Memorial on the on the courthouse square and when I pulled into Murfreesboro for the first time there was a a billboard on the edge of town uh, the Jackson Motel and its logo was the Confederate flag yeah. I was driving, and my mom looked at me. And she goes, "Are you sure you want to come here?" Yeah. And I said, "Well, it's you know, it's the best around. At the time, it was better than Belmont or whatever." Yeah, yeah. And um, and so, uh, but the thing that tripped me up at this point of the thing is, um, I mispronounced Lebanon. It's not Lebanon. It's Lebanon. Lebanon. Yeah. <laughs> Lebanon. <laughs> and they they. They corrected me. They said, yeah. no, that's not right. I'm like, well, it says right there on the sign, Lebanon. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> there's a town and there's a street in Nashville called Demonbron. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very, but they refer to it as Demumbry. Demumbrian. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. <laughs> and my Uncle Jordan, who's, you know, famous lawyer or whatever, he would tell a joke about back in the old days, a horse died on Demumbrian. And he was dragging it over to State Street so he could fill out the paperwork because <laughs> he didn't know I spelled it. <laughs> it, was, it was too confusing. You know? But anyway, that's a demon brawn. Yeah, it's like demon brawn. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very. <laughs> but they don't pronounce it anything like them. No, um, that you've been spending a lot of time in Nashville. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. We still have a family house there. All you know, my parents are gone now, and aunt and grandparents and all that stuff so and so i mean still there still there that's an old family farm or no is this it's a very large house and my father found it in like 1959 and they bought it for like (laughs) 16.5 which is like very remarkable this is but it's it's the type of house that nobody wanted at that particular time you know they were wanted a modern little house with a big kitchen. This was a giant house with a tiny little kitchen. So perfect. Yeah. No, it's really something. The um uh does that I mean you played a couple of were those newer tunes? Yeah. That today? Those are some yeah. Some of those some of those tunes, you know, where me and 
my my buddy Gregor are staying at the house, and we're sort of in Nashville, you know, and people write songs there. Writing is an activity. You're not just slacking or lazing around. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, we're writing. <laughs> and, uh, That's what people do. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we started writing some. We're hoping to sell a couple to pay the taxes off on that so we can continue to stay in that <laughs> which is sort of that's kind of a fun motivation you know but there's more to it than that of course there but, um I, I could i mean you're writing with jim Lauderdale at all it, it's it's i have a, i have with him it's yeah. just, it sounded like i heard a little bit of jim in there i, I could hear him singing one of those yeah no he's definitely we wrote one together called uh except for that one time which He's saving for the next time we make a record together, or because I don't know, he hasn't sold it to anybody. But at least that's what he's telling you, right? Yeah, <laughs> but it's it came out pretty good. And that was the first song I ever written with any other person, you know. Really, it, it's sort of strange to process because when you're writing a song, you're just like yammering to the ether about nothing, you know. Yeah, and then eventually a couple words to you, you know, they come to you. You don't know why, you know, but. All of a sudden, it's there. It appears. It it's a, something some, starts meaning something, right? You know, something. Do um do you do you find it starts with the chords or does it start with the prose? So, sometimes it'll start with an idea like like that last tune, like smoking, drinking. We, you know, for some <laughs> reason, I was we were just in this little town in West Virginia, and and there was certain series of songs came on the radio. At the at this bar, we're at eating dinner. I don't know for some reason that just I just started singing it, so I didn't have the chords or nothing. But you wrote it right there. Yeah, that yeah. part, you know, if you yeah. like. Right? <laughs> but I, I don't know. There's something about being in, this town was sort of down and out, and it just seemed like the train had left the station over there a long time ago, and there was not a lot of pretense. Right, going on that seemed you um i mean what you're 30 years now with donna mm -hmm. and i mean you've gone everywhere right yeah the backwoods of west virginia and yeah um, yeah i was seeing y'all in the early 90s i mean y'all would come through here every three months or so yeah because we had a good circuit yeah you could you could have there was a good live music circuit through here yeah. and you could hit charlotte and winston and raleigh I tell you, if it weren't for this uh, festival scene, it would be pretty dire. You know, I mean, the the festivals are a big part, and then good music loving people to open venues. Yeah, and you see that a lot. There's people that are very dedicated to music, and they open venues and they make it happen. So, if it, I think it's both those things are a little underappreciated. Because mm -hmm. you'll have a certain town, they'll have a music scene. The the reason they have a music scene is because somebody's really into music, and a lot of people think there's, you know, there's, there is money to be made, but it usually gets made by other, others. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we went on the road for years, and you know, got home with thirty bucks. We were glad to get home <laughs> with thirty bucks. Yeah, yeah, and. But like I say, nobody would ever do it like we did. I mean, it was just, it was just lifestyle. It was what we wanted to do. Bought a bus, and, you know. We and also we're very, 
do-it-yourselfers, you know. Right. Always. The only way we ever got anything, you know, when we're growing up is get something that was broken and fix it, you know. <laughs> and, which I have a bad habit of, you know, continually to buying broken things, and I don't have time to fix all these things, you know. And do have a little bit of money now, not very much, but enough to get a couple of things fixed. And they're still but, broken. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Things do break in this world. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> um, how many cars are you working on right now? Well, I'm just really trying to whittle down. I'm trying to change my ways. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. <laughs> well, Sorry, but it's, it's hard. I am. It, it, so you can't teach old dogs new tricks, huh? Yes, you can. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm reverting back to. An, an age that never was before um the um so to on the on the songwriting you said writing with jim was the first time you've written with anybody else yeah like so you and taro don't write together no not really i mean every now and then i'll come up with an idea for something or she'll okay. come up with an idea like to help something out but yeah but not it's sort of an uh, it, it's something that we could maybe start doing now or something a little bit for fun but it's sort of um we tend to be really shy okay even with each other after knowing you you know what i mean like right knowing each other for so, so, well. so many years and right. so well and i mean it's very well established that i love her to death and you know and so on and so forth yeah. but it's still it's just an interesting thing being in a room just making blabbing sounds and <laughs> <laughs> trying to you know, trying to write something yeah trying to trying to figure something out so what so um so jim was talking earlier with western centuries how he had never written anything before being in western centuries yeah that in donna he knew his role and his role was to play rhythm guitar and sing backup and yeah. he appreciated well, and he, that. He he would he also and I I mentioned this to him at one time. He was really good songster. Like he he find very interesting songs to sing and and oh, yeah. cover, you know. And and then I can I can see a thread of the a lot of the stuff that he liked to cover come through in his songwriting, you know. Which is really cool. It's it's got Got some nice stuff there, so yeah, it's interesting to to start writing songs after like a long, long time. Right. Yeah. But it's it's kind of funny. It's like people start writing songs when they're really young, but it's like, what are they writing about? Like, what do you, what do they know about? What like, they, you know what right, I mean? Right. Or what? Or, you, or I guess, but all you got to do is suppose about it, or or know that you love her to death. You know, I love you, baby. <laughs> love songs. Yeah. They're easy. I loved you the moment I saw you. I loved you when we first met. I loved you the times we were together. I loved you the day your face is a constant 
reflection It takes no mirror to see Your name is the answer to most questions That includes what happened to me Well, they say when you love somebody Set them free Well, I'll never own anything But your memory Your face is a constant reflection That takes no mirror to see your name is the answer to most questions That includes what happened to me Well, I heard you found a lover And I hope he's kind and true And offers you all you've ever wanted Like I could never do Your face is constant reflection It takes no mirror to see Your name is the answer to most questions that includes what happened to me. Do you, um, I mean, your some of your lyrics are, I mean, there's, there's more poetry. It doesn't really, if you read them, it could be in a poetry book. Yeah. Like, is that I don't, something you, did you grow up writing poetry or? I've wrote a few poems but I think I don't know writing kind of came naturally to me or something that's at least my niece Rose's that's what she said <laughs> <laughs> so not everybody can write and then, you know she teaches English and she was like well you're just natural writer or whatever. just natural but, writer yeah but yeah. I, I find it really fascinating the shades of words and, and the Raising and all that stuff is really, really beautiful right. to me. You know, language. Yeah, yeah. It's really. We were talking about um, our big Roger Miller fans, you know, mm, yeah. and he's got this one one tune. Uh, they record a couple times, and there, there's one on the internet, and then in the, a world so full of love, yet not enough to go around. Hmm. And this was on this demo tape, and it's so great. It's just him singing it. And then he uh, he released the commercial version of it and says, in a world so full of love and not enough to go around. And so it, the and and the yet were replaced. And yeah. me and my buddy were, it's like, the yet is so much better. <laughs> so much better. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> amazing yeah. the difference that it makes. And I don't know whether he just spaced it out or. 
right. was high on something when they recorded and forgot that <laughs> forgot it, it. it was yet, yeah. you know. Or somebody suggested to leave the yet out and put an and in. But it was, it was just remarkable how different that made it. So it's there's like every last little thing does make a, a difference. So do you, how, uh, I mean, how much do you, I don't want to say beat yourself up, but, you know, like really. Planning. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as far as pick all, pick apart words and, and really, I mean, is it sometimes they just flow and it comes naturally? Yeah. You're like, oh, I nailed it. Or yeah. sometimes it's, you're struggling. Usually you, you just sort of get like a, a framework and the, the thing at certain point becomes about something. Mm-hmm. and. After that, you just follow that, right? You know, and everything that fits it goes in, and everything that doesn't fit it goes out. You know, and maybe into something else. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the way it works. But yeah, you rework some stuff here and there, and definitely go over it a few times, and mm-hmm. you know, try iron different it ways. Out. Yeah. How long did it take you to get that middle phrasing right? Just a second ago. On the, on the, it would, yeah, it'd be a mistake to take you back again. Yeah. That took a, that took a hot minute. <laughs> to, <laughs> to, you know, cause it was, I, I sort of heard it, but it was hard. Sometimes you think like something's just not going to fit in there. Right. But usually there's a way with phrasing and saying words quickly or slow. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of leeway and there's a lot of wonderful leeway in the English language for, slanting things and so on and so forth right now my mom being a english professor she would want to correct certain things you know but i wouldn't i would tend not to let her and then (laughs) just to me because language is a little more wide open it really is basically about communicating you know it's good to communicate accurately but you any two beings, you know, you drop them in the middle of the woods, they're going to start communicating right? somehow, you know. And so the the exact form is not. It's the refined thing from King James or whatever, but it's, it's not the essence of communicating, you know. So, And then when you get into poetry and then the free jazz and the what, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. And even then, like Reed Faulkner or whatever, and there's, there, the stuff doesn't make sense for a long time, and then you just notice you have this weird feeling in your stomach. You know right, what I mean? Right. So that wasn't that's not like proper English. I mean, there's all over the map, and then yeah. all of a sudden you you realize that you feel terrible. It's <laughs> 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 like I'm going to stop reading Faulkner. Uh, have, have you read uh, Cormac McCarthy's books at all? No, I don't think so. it's man of so I'm my brother turned me on to him years ago and and I went through and read a few of his books and and I was like man Trip loves these books so much I, I like it's his favorite guy I got to read it and 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 he like doesn't use periods and punctuation marks and just throws you off yeah. and it's like capital letters and random spots and and um so I kind of gave up on it I've gone back and started reading it again I'm like okay I think I get it now yeah, I, I, the, I, I can get his phrasing down. Yes. I can read how it's supposed to warp your timing. Right, it's yeah. supposed to. Yeah, it, and it, it definitely does. 
The, um, but anyway, back to the original question. <laughs> so we, we had this, uh, basically, uh, Jim Miller, that used to be in the band, had the idea of pulling together some groups and having a concert to really basically engender some more camaraderie in the music scene. Yeah. You know? And and so we did the state theater, this theater benefit show, and uh, we sold it out, and we had the Horse Flies, and this band, Neon Baptist and Don the Buffalo. And it was really cool, and that was kind of like the birth of the organization or whatnot. Okay. You know? And so... But that was an AIDS benefit, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it kind of... The original idea was to, to get this musical thing going, and then... We didn't want it to be, you know, who's gets the money or all that. So we wanted to remove that kind of entrepreneurial thing. And mm -hmm. so we decided to make a benefit. And then there's people we knew that worked at this agency, uh, AIDS work. And at that point, I mean, it was really just breaking in there. And so we chose them. And the whole thing just had this great energy about it. Mm -hmm. Then the following... And also, the other thing is Jim was an entomologist and had a full-time job, and I showed up back in town, and I didn't really have much to do at all, and I actually started doing a bunch of the organizing, like phone calling and so on and so forth. And um, For for Donna or for the festival, both? The everything? festival. For festival. Well, the, really, this, this concert. Okay. You know, so I, I pulled a lot of stuff together for it. And then... Um, the following year, the band had actually broke up a little bit. Um, for I don't know why do, why people do what they do. I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> it's too long. I was just like smear over that part of the story. But um, <laughs> but I, but I was like, we should start this festival, like do a festival because the festival would one have a, a Individual concert doesn't have momentum, right? But a festival creates momentum, right? And so we we all got together and figured we'd do this festival. And, and that was uh, the first Trimmersburg. That was grassroots, yeah. And then, um, and of course, you know, it was a not-for-profit fundraiser. And, you know, it's hard to make any money the first year, you first know. First three years. Yeah, the first three years. Were, <laughs> oh, I remember the the third year, the enough people came to break even, and that was, like, very relieving and remarkable, you know. <laughs> but certain people didn't understand, you know. Mm -hmm. They were like, well. But there's a lot of people that don't understand things, you know what I mean? Or they don't have a lot of business background or right. sense about how things work and right. so on and so forth. And as a member of the left, I can tell you that the left can be extremely impractical. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that <laughs> and mean it. As a it. bona fide member. Uh, yeah, as a bona fide <laughs> member. But um, so anyway... So that got going, and then, yeah, we picked North Carolina because Don the Buffalo had a bit of a following down here in our mm -hmm. association. And then, so Jordan came down with this and met up with Robert, our, 
our friends, and mm-hmm. he was actually looking to buy a place, and they were looking at different fairgrounds around here, and then the, they found the Shikori property was for sale, and they went, and, and Robert was in a position to buy it, and, and so God bless him. Yeah, I was about to say, nice to have friends like that. And then, uh, but the the first year, I mean, it it just about sleeted, you know, the <laughs> It was so cold and so wet, <laughs> so rainy, and now everything out there is packed down. You know, it's been driven on a ton. Yeah. But it was, yeah. you couldn't take one step off the road they built, and you'd sink right up to your your ankles. Your ankles, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so Robert was out after that. He was, he his, his you know, because, I mean, I had a meltdown doing grassroots in New York. I mean, the first few years, I mean, it's, it's unbelievably st- stressful. It you is. Don't, I mean, it just ruined many a summer. <laughs> just the whole summer, you just the like, consume. You, you have this like poker hand, and you don't know whether these cards are gonna play or not, and you hold it and hold it and hold it and hold it for months and months. And the other thing is like, if you had a business that you open You'd be able to make corrections like every day. Right. You know, it's like, well, we're going to warm the soup up before we serve it, you know, or stuff like, you know, you'd, right. be, you'd, you'd make adjustments every day and you'd be open every day. And, but, or it needs this, more salt, less salt. Yeah. Right. But this cycle of, you know, you got one, one shot, you work for months and months on a four day event. Right. Everything goes down those four days. Yeah, and your next chance of correcting anything is the following it's year. It's the following year, You're right? And now you got to remember what to correct. You got to actually be able to correct it. <laughs> and I mean, and it's a fairly slow process, and a lot of thought, and a lot of critical thinking goes into it. You know, mm-hmm. and of course now festivals are everywhere, and we play a bunch of them. And you go somewhere, and you know these people put this freaking stage up on top of a mountain, like looking off. It's like, well, that's fine for the band. Right. What do you? With what, the audience, the audience is like on the slope, staring straight up into the sun. It's like, you know, you guys are not engaged in a lot of critical thinking about what's going to take place. This freaking cops came and busted everybody, and so on and so forth. So yeah, there's there's so many, you know, there's so much to it. And then uh, so that's how we got down here in North Carolina. But Roberts. Uh, famous quote he was out there on the driveway he goes he goes it's just not worth all this for a few moments of magic he said (laughs) 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 which i could you know it's hard to quantify what those few moments of magic are really worth you know and but when they did when they hit it's really a beautiful thing Have you ever been touched by something vast, beautiful, and hard to explain? Easy to feel, hard to say, the things you find across the way.
Do you think a smile matters? Do you think a song can change the world? Well, if you do, then let it play. All these things happen across the way. Do you believe in magic? I do. Every day, and right where you're standing, across the way. Have you ever felt your prayers were answered? The shred of light in the darkest place A way home when gone astray Another message from across the way Do you believe in magic? I do Every day is right where you're standing Across the way Rainbow rides Burst in storm Parents cry When baby's born When your thirst is quenched With a glass still full Where it's commonplace For miracles Where your loved ones go But their love still stays You can feel it from across the way Do you Believe in Magic, yes I do Every day Is right where you're standing Across the way Do you believe in magic? Yes I do Every day Right where you're standing Across the way, do you believe in magic? Yes, I do. Every day, right where you're standing. Across the way. You know, just yesterday, a few folks came, just really heartfelt saying how much it really means to them, you know. Like that really, is still going on. Really means a lot to them. And this this one guy from West Virginia, he says his wife works at the rehab up there, you know, and it's just so stressful. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're doing everything they can to keep things going. And, you know, he says he comes down here twice a year, gets recharged, you know. That's awesome. And he, he wouldn't, and he wouldn't skip one. You know, coming down so they, from West Virginia for it. So they need it. You know, that's awesome. So, in a way, you know, and it and it, it plays in as like creating a different kind of re resonance for human beings to feel more relevant, feel right. more connected to something that they appreciate and can actually be connected to. You know, it's not. It's not necessarily religion, 
it doesn't necessarily exclude religion, but it's in that, it's in the culture. It's just like that thing you need, you need to identify with, you need to think living's like a cool thing. Yeah. And you see, you know, unhappiness is just unbelievably rampant. And there's a mm-hmm. bunch of folks out there, they don't think living's worth a shit, you know. Right. And, and you can't really, they haven't found what's worth well, anything about it. Yeah. They and so and you can't blame, you can't blame anybody, but our culture and our vibe and, and what the world's up to is a huge part of the way people feel about, about living. So it's like, it's a big deal. So that's always kind of like the subtext and as corny as it sounds and, you know, but I always sort of figure what we're trying to do is promote freaking peace on earth. And, yeah. You know, does that, is that come from, there's a lot there that I'd like to dig into, but I don't know if we got time to, but the, there's, does that come from your mom? Does it, I mean, how, you know, like. Probably. Yeah. Well, yeah. everything came from her. <laughs> I guarantee <laughs> right. she, was, she was a freaking hero. <laughs> I mean, is how much of her uh, ethos is, is involved in, you know, what you try to curate? I would say, you know, not one-to-one. Like, you know, <laughs> she doesn't run around saying corny shit like that. Or didn't, but <laughs> she, <laughs> she she believed in it, you know, right? And and uh, but yeah, she was a real, she was a real strong, great person, just really. And so was my father, you know. But she like, was involved in in Finger Lakes, and, oh yeah, and she was, I mean, involved in Chigori Hills too, right? Absolutely, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and she just passed in the past three years, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my father passed in, uh, 2015. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that is, uh, so I know how that is. Um, do you want to just pick up the phone and call him and say, Hey, what would, what would you do in this situation? There's a lot of questions that nobody has any answers to all of a sudden. It's like, it's, yeah, it's, no, oh, I miss her very much. Yeah. Know? Right. Matter of fact, the, the other night I had a dream with her in it, and I woke woke up, you know, crying or whatever. And uh, it made me wonder. It's like, do you really get over anything, or you just learn how to put it away, or something? Lock you, it, you lock know it away I mean? a little bit. <laughs> just yeah. like, just like Talladega Nights, you know, just bury it deep inside and never bring it up again. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. You know, you definitely come to an understanding over time about certain things, but. If you ever actually put yourself back it, the way it really matters, yeah, you know this. Yeah, life is life has a lot of every living person. You know, right? There's a lot going on. You know, you gotta be able to do it. So, in a way, yeah, that's just philosophy, life. And, but yeah, it's, I would say in general, definitely out of her. Yeah, she would call it enlightened self-interest you okay. know <laughs> right. you know she wasn't necessarily as like selfless you know you see these people are entirely selfless and right 
they'll which is sort of kind of funny. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's great, but in some way, that it, you know, there's all types of folks. They can play into some kind of martyrdom. You know, they're like, oh, look at me, I'm suffering more than anyone else. You know, and that they're more comfortable in that role or whatever. But um, what, what do you um? Do you feel a responsibility? I mean, you like like you have. I mean, just this morning, I had two conversations out there by the solar charging uh, yeah. machine. The uh, one girl, she goes to UNCW, and she's been coming since she was three or four years old. Mm-hmm. And um, she's helped uh, helped us out on some social media of this past festival. And and then a lady was with her. She's with the Abundance. She's on the board of the Abundance Foundation, and she they didn't know each other, but they knew a lot of the same people. Mm-hmm. And then they, and this lady had been coming for, you know, she'd say, I've seen 30 festivals here, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and the, uh, the younger girl said, yeah, I've, I've haven't missed one since I was three or four. I mean, yeah. is there a, you feel a sense of responsibility or like, how, you know, there are a lot of people count on this. I mean, this is their week vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, but it it doesn't really hit me like that. It's just like you just want it to, right. to go, and you wanted, you know, you just want it to succeed and continue to thrive, right? And so that drive is always just sort of leading it, yeah. And that's enough internal push yeah. to get it done that you don't yeah. need the exterior. But every now and then, you know, things, as you know, like when you work on a large project that has like many facets and. And so you're you're sort of like a a plow for logistics and problems, you know. And you're right. trying to solve all the problems, and and but there's certain problems that are really difficult to solve, and they they keep reappearing, and they they're just like they're like the thorn in the paw of progress, you know. <laughs> and then so as you're working on it, you just basically chew on these facets. They're really difficult, and they're hard to solve, and then. Is there's a temptation after a while, not consciously, but subconsciously, you just sort of view the festival as this couple of handfuls of problems that right. never go away. Like, you know, there's never right. enough money and there's, you know what I mean? And then there's <laughs> stuff always breaks and you know what I mean? So there's a way, in a way you can feel like it's, it's this kind of just, oh, there's just a headache. And then at that point, it's just kind of a, becomes a dragon. So at a certain point we we institute a rule like after every before every meeting broke mm-hmm. we'd you know, go over how freaking cool it is. You know, right. it's just so cool. And we met so many incredible people and heard so much in, incredible music from all over the world and yeah. and you know, it's it is a freaking amazing you know right and then you can go chew on them problems some more you know, <laughs> because they're, they're not going to go away terribly soon or maybe they will you know who knows but yeah yeah i've um yeah i've made try to make a point to enjoy this one a little bit more so that yeah. you know you can when you step back you're like okay now it's time to work on those tough yeah. problems yeah the, uh, um what um What's coming next? 
What, what, what's, you know, you're working on a solo album? You're just writing tunes in Nashville? You're going to shop them around? Or? Oh, we're going to shop some of those. Yeah, probably yeah. that last one we did, we're going to try to get somebody to do. <laughs> I, I think it would just be a kick. You know, I've always enjoyed the, I've always sort of written country songs as a pastime. Right. And, I mean, and, that's um, your roots is, I mean, there's a, I mean, the country um, old time thing. Yeah, old time fiddle music. Right. And, but, and country grew out of that. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I've always liked it. And um, and there's a, I keep feeling like country music always corrects itself. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time now since it corrected itself. <laughs> there's but a couple out there that are trying to correct it, there's but it's, gonna, it's not a wave. There's going to be, there's going to be some people that come along and it's going to get back to the, not just retro, but, like being more meaningful, I think. Yeah. And I'd like to be a part of that. Right. I think, I think it would be a real kick. It'd be fun. And it, but if it, if it doesn't happen, it's fine too. I, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> but you're still cranking out good tunes. So, yeah. you know, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll make their way to daylight. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, what, what about, uh, let's see, Donna put out an album last year. Yeah. We'll probably need to record one this winter. They probably need to. Just kind of yeah. feel like it's time. Well, yeah, it's always time. Really. Y'all, y'all got enough in the can, you think? You yeah. Unreleased stuff? Yeah. 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 Do you try them out on the road first and, and hone them? Or? We usually do just because, well, we just, at the level we're at, and you want to try to keep everybody being able to do the job, there's only... There's a minimum amount of money that you need to survive, right, in the world, and so we need to play that much to make it so you can keep a band together, right? You know, for sure. So, and unfortunately, that doesn't leave a tremendous amount of time and leftover energy to record a bunch, or, right? Or you could go record very quickly. Or, but it's, yeah, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. That's why I always, I always say, you know, there's a lot more to being in a band than playing songs. <laughs> there's, well, the fact a, that y'all have kept, I mean, this, I mean, you've had a change in bass player recently, but yeah. like, besides that, the, I mean, y'all have been together for a while. Yeah. We've had that band together for about nine years. Right. And Ted. And, and Ted is great. Yeah. He's great. Fits in perfect. Like yeah. he was kind of doing some funky stuff last night. Yeah. Like, oh, that was went in a different direction. Yeah. The uh yeah, I, he's great. I met him when um he was playing with Colonel. Yeah. And uh and I did a couple of uh co talkers shows and mm-hmm. um and then or one of my acts would open for him or headline in front of him or right. something. Yeah. yeah. Him and Tyler, uh, the drummer in that band, Tyler's was awesome too. yeah so yeah the colonel bruce is well somebody should make a good movie on him here pretty soon right i think he was maybe like the one of the architects of southern hipsterism <laughs> you know what i mean right he's got to be right. you know I mean? <laughs> pretty much and i didn't know him very well i played with him just a little bit but there's hardly a musician in the southeast that wasn't in his band. For right, me. wasn't touched by him in some way. Yeah, yeah. And so, 
So y'all, you played um, with him at festivals and maybe he sat in or you I was you at this one, one gig we were doing and he was playing up, went up and played a few tunes with him. Yeah. I'm very glad I did, you know. I always, I, you know, like, he was one of those kind of fascinating people to talk to and everybody would, but I don't know, we always we kind of would size each other up and kind of almost figure we bore each other being, being <laughs> fascinating or something. I don't know. You know, it's just, but, um, but I always appreciated his presence and he's definitely a super smart dude. And, what I mean, the is that is that ideal for you going on stage? You know, you're on your birthday. I mean, is is that uh, if you could write your ending? Is, what, what, I think that was special to him, right? Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. he was in, kind of in that numerology and, and all that stuff. And yeah, and and uh, matter of fact, uh, Teddy was telling these, these things. He would always tell the. Whoever's driving his car, three blinks only on the blinker, you know. <laughs> That's it. Like one, you know, if you went over, it's like three blinks only, you know, because he's conserving the number of blinks, blinks. in the blinker, you know. <laughs> and uh, some, and then when when he died, somebody got in his car to move, and the blinker didn't work. Really? Yeah. That's great, man. And so that's great. <laughs> that's he he worn out. <laughs> so there there were several things like that that gave people the spooks. Well, let alone friggin' dropping dead on the last song of, of the birthday, seventieth birthday in this theater with all these people that played in your group and over the years, you know. Right. It's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. Do I see? I would. You know, I'm no. I'm not a numerologist, but yeah, if you. There's worse ways to go, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. What's um, uh, with with Shakori or with grassroots as a whole? What's the uh, what's the next evolution? Do you think, or is it? Um, you know, a lot of it is just keep the challenge of keeping it as good as it is, mm-hmm. which is you know it sounds. Like, oh, it's a challenge to keep something the same, but you can see in the world scenes come and go, things come and go. Right. You know, it's it's actually more of a challenge than you think, just to, to keep that energy strong, keep keep people understanding why you're doing it, what's cool about it, and so yeah. on and so forth. And, and then always to try to grow without losing that right what what's the how do you describe it to somebody that's never been or doesn't understand it well, it's kind of difficult because the the main thing at it of course there's a stage and a band right and so on and so forth there's food you know and so <laughs> you can start there right. that's simple <laughs> and then there's a bunch of cool people there they're basically generating a vibe that's coming off from the music with the people. Mm-hmm. And then it's got a tradition of being cool, so people are cool there. And so when you go there, there's a bunch of cool people, you know, <laughs> which is <laughs> not, Feed, not necessarily the always the case. Right, that's right. And when you're there, you're with everyone, you have a commonality. So when you see somebody, you smile, like, 
you're you're with them, right? And you say hello and so stuff, which is no short order. You know, a lot of times you'll be at a festival for a week or whatever, and the first time when you go out and you go to the grocery store, you see somebody you've never seen before, and you kind of open yourself in a way that you don't do in normal life. Mm -hmm. And it seems kind of odd because they're obviously, you're not at this beautiful same party just because you're shopping at the same grocery store, <laughs> you know what I mean? But really in life you sort of are. Right. And so right. you kind of say, hey, you know, you're like open, and and but you're not. Then you realize, oh, well, life is not really like that all the time. <laughs> all the time. And then, but it is like that. And that, there's one thing that, you know, always, you know, many object to is, is people will have a conversational habit of, of like they, they'll be leaving the festival and it's like, oh, I got to go back to the real world. Right. And so, therefore, maybe saying like what's going on with these people and and the music and not valid, validating it completely. They're, they're, of course, they're not trying to disvalidate it. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, my perception is that's more real than the reality that people are claiming to go back to. Yeah. And it may not be as rough a reality, but, you know, it's a, it's, it's a very much a reality. And so it's trying to get music to be more part of culture yeah. in general. And the cultures that have music, I think, are better off. You know, the Appalachian String Band has tradition of a lot of people, kids play music. And right. of course, around here, that's strong with bluegrass and old time. You know, Cajun cultures, obviously, the tons of people play, you know. Yeah. It, we, I, church music, this and that. But right. it's just tr trying to elevate the level of music in in culture, I think, is important. Because having that integration. It's funny, down in Louisiana, you go, you go down there, everybody dances in Louisiana. Yeah. It's not odd to just start you hear a half a beat and freaking everybody's yeah. dancing. Right. They dance. They dance. And that's a that's a beautiful thing. I'd like to see that. Right. A lot. Right. You know. Y'all so. get a moving tonight with Preston. Oh yeah. <laughs> but so there's just so many things about it. It's sort of endless what the potentials of it, you know, could basically grass grassroots, you know, given the enough financing and good business people it could be the Walmart of culture, you know, or something, you know what I mean? It could, but, but could it, could it spread, you know, would it, would I mean, that was sort of dilute it though. Right. I mean, yeah, right, like how, probably would. where's the, where's the threshold or how, or can't, how can't yeah, grow or, too fast. Or, right. Or how many cool people are there to go to a, and it's, and it's not like, it's not like you you need somebody to be cool. You need somebody with the ability to be cool. Because <laughs> behavioralism is con terribly contagious. Right. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, have you seen some of those videos on YouTube, uh, social experiments? Um, there's one Google, uh, one uh, elevator. It's mm -hmm. a social experience. It's all black and white. It's done in the 50s and, you know, um, how one person gets off 
Uh, other people will get off and one person stays and like people stay on the elevator. It's, yeah. There's people it's group think, right? Yeah. Yeah. As much, you know, we like to consider ourselves individualist, incredibly individualistic right. and think that we can move anywhere and everything's going to be fine. You know, right. I got a job in Peoria, nothing against Peoria, but you know, if you're, <laughs> you know, as you expect your, you know, academics are always getting a job somewhere that they've never been, right? you know, right. because the college is hiring and they think their wife is going to be happy there. But they don't have any <laughs> roots at all. I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting what people just think they're totally free of how important it is where you live and a lot of the stuff you do, what you eat. And, and, you, and that's very important is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, very important. It's like yeah. all this stuff's really important. So that's that's kind of like this is the mini experiment for trying to create better versions of all that. Right. So. right. Do you um what what else? I feel like we've covered a lot of space. And why? Yeah. Good, does that guitar good. have to go back to? Is that their guitar? Okay. Yeah. Good luck editing that. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> leave four, it up to me. Four, four hour conversation. What, what um is there anything you want to touch on we didn't touch on? No, I mean we talk forever about all, everything, but I know, man. Yeah, yeah. I I I just enjoy our conversations, man. Yeah. So I'm glad we got one on yeah. tape. I Very appreciate cool. it for sure. <laughs> yeah. And onward and upward and outward. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> outward, as Colonel might say. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck to us all. That's right. But it's all oh, about like having a responsibility. You mentioned that one time. It's like right after Trump got elected, not to just be like straight political or anything, but um, we showed up at this gig and this person goes, uh, yells out, Jeff, what do you have to say? We need you. And I was like, huh. And, <laughs> And the only thing I could think of is what I've been thinking is every every graph that moves in a progression wiggles. Right. Right. And this is a wiggle. This is a wiggle. It's not a it's not a tasteful wiggle in my opinion. Right. And it's disheartening. But overall the everything is moving forward. It it can't be stopped. I mean the truth is the, the truth and people in general are pretty good and it, yeah you know and getting better it's kind of like country music is going to correct itself yes yeah, so hopeless optimist or whatever <laughs> right. hope, hope, hopelessly optimistic Hopeless, hopelessly optimistic. Yeah, hopefully optimistic <laughs> the um well i am too is you yeah. got to be because yeah. if you if you don't, then you're gonna get stuck. Yeah. I find that I become a very not very useful person right. if I become unoptimistic. So in a way, I have to like narrow my scope down. Like I'm sort of on a media blackout. Are you personally? You know, I, just too much. It's not like I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> I, I'm I'm not watching CNN. Right, all day long. Were you, you remember 
the last days of Nixon's presidency, presidency and, and Watergate, and a little bit. I was very young, you know, right. eight years old. I mean, do do you remember? Was it moving this rapidly? Do you think? I mean, it seems to have been snowballing in the past couple of weeks for our current commander and chief. Oh, you think he's going to go down? <laughs> I just never seen any. I've never seen anybody. Link, Link can only hope. I've, but <laughs> I've never seen anybody in such a consequence-free environment. Right. I mean, he just there just doesn't seem to be. Any, there's several things I think about it. As one is in general, it's just asshole fest. Yeah. There's tired of being politically correct, tired of trying not to be racist, tired of, you know, all this stuff. So we're just going to let it out. Just <laughs> let it out. And and then all the people that want to build a logic train about what's going on mm-hmm. and say, well, aha, we got him. He, can you believe what he said? That's ridiculous. The logic train doesn't mean anything. They're just glad. They're frustrated, for one. Mm-hmm. And they're assholes, for another. And this is asshole fest. So he's a fucking <laughs> asshole. It's like, yes. He's on the podium. Like, yes. Like, yeah. He, sh- he ran, you know, grab pussy, ridicules crippled guy, mm-hmm. tells a crying baby to shut up. You know, yes. all these things, you know, get grade school teachers fired. Right. Gets grade school children expelled. Yeah. You know, just real real simple stuff. The one thing I think he did have that was a misread on, on a lot of people's part is Obama was the I think as the democracy goes forward mm-hmm. and more and more of the decision-making gets bought in the legislature, mm-hmm. the more the populace feels like the democracy is unresponsive. Right. And so there's this wanting to send someone in there, clean house, yeah, get it back. So Obama came along and was like, this is our guy. He's going to go in there and clean house. Obama is a very pragmatic Midwestern fellow, mm-hmm. and he did a great job, but he did it in that fashion. Mm-hmm. And then so it's like, we're going to send Bernie in there. He's a freaking communist. He's going to, you know, he's going to. He's really he's going to wreak, wreak yeah. havoc. You right, know? right. But they they went with Hillary. Mm-hmm. But the left was thinking, well, but the, the left wasn't the only people that had this idea. Mm-hmm. The rest of the freaking population has this exact same idea. And Trump promised to go in. And do it. And he said, I'm going to go drain the swamp. You know? Right. And then. And he spoke to enough of those radicals. Yeah. To, and then yeah. a referendum on globalization, which globalization hasn't offered an end game for the working poor. Right. There is no end game. There's not, we're going to invest in this for 30 years and we're all going to start making more money. There's no end game. Right. And not, they might not be the most intellectual crowd, but you know when you're going down. And then also if you're poor or white, just to speak very bluntly, your, your social buoyancy is, is made up 
of race mm-hmm. and nationalism. You're an American, right? And you're not black. Yeah, and you're not black. You know, right? And so this this is the this is your buoyancy. Well, you know, you have a black president. Black Attorney General, yeah, and, and, and you're going to rip all my identity away as you're trying and, to take my. You know, we're going to have people come into the United States and welcome them, and it's like, well, guess what? Guess who's going down? Right. And you have globalization. The jobs, your job is going to, you're going to be competing with every last Asian kid, you know, which you can't. Right. And then, so in in reality. They are totally getting screwed. I mean, you don't see, you don't see poor white people on TV unless it's on Cops or some reality show, and you, <laughs> you know what I mean, You're right? Or sh- shooting baskets or singing, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so they're totally fucked. And it's really it's a reality, and the, and the left totally just botched their relationship with the working population. And, and then the other thing is back in like the union days or whatever, mm-hmm. in the glory days of unionism and right. so on and so forth, they went to that population and they sold this stuff and then they kind of ushered in this liberalism mm-hmm. because those Jewish communist intellectuals really, there's a lot of the organizing. They would go and they ushered in this this Arab higher wages and the higher right. wages were what they wanted. And but along came this progressive thinking. Mm-hmm. Or so we're gonna kinda like not be sexist and we're gonna like not be racist and and at the same time we're kinda gonna share more, you know. And <laughs> and that was sort of okay, you know, came in to with a the, certain extent. Well, now along comes Trump and he says, I'm gonna get your job back and you can be racist. Right. And you know what I mean? And this is like ding, 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 ding. You know, it's like <laughs> winner, finally, winner. this is our fucking guy. You know, and so it's sad. But the the other thing, the left, and I can speak bluntly about the left because I consider myself a member. So it's very bad at messaging, and their tendency is when somebody doesn't understand someone something, they mm-hmm. just say they're stupid. Right, they beat him up, which is just like yeah, that's not that's not intelligent at all. It's like if you, if you have a kid and you're trying to show them something, and they don't pick it up, then you're just gonna start speaking twice as fast about what what an idiot he is, and the kid still, still doesn't right doesn't can't do what you're trying to. Sh- so if if you can't explain why something is and actually get it across yeah that's your fault and it's (laughs) only your fault and and so the left has very low tolerance for self-examination for sure very very it's 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 ruining it this is part of the uh latest and greatest miserable song series i like to call it (laughs) oh lord There's nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see. She's just packing some things up. 
before she leaves Just the scene played out The tail end of goodbye Nothing to see But a grown man start to cry They were best friends once In the wishes of their wants Companions Lovers Confidants But the wheels fell off Never to be put back on again Leaving them Uncomfortable in their skin Embarrassed for the story they're now in There's nothing to see here folks Nothing to see She's just packing some things up before she leaves Just a scene played out At the tail end of goodbye Nothing to see But a grown man start to cry Pain etched his face Composure Quickly breaks Wanting But knowing There's nowhere to hide Nothing to see But a grown man Start to cry Just a scene Played out At the tail end of goodbye Nothing to see here But a grown man Start to cry Man Hey, Jim Before we turn them off Thank you Thank you for the tunes Thank you for the conversation um, Thank you for everything No problem, thank you Thanks for having me Donathebuffalo.com Right on <laughs>